Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do want to uh, encourage you to check out our Great Detectives of Old Time Radio t-shirts. We have three varieties. We have our regular t-shirt, available at t-shirt.greatdetectives.net. We have our Johnny Dollar Anniversary t-shirt at yourstruly.greatdetectives.net. And our Joe Friday Never Said Just the Facts Ma'am t-shirt at friday.greatdetectives.net. And if you want to get something for fall coming up soon, we do have the pullover hoodies available. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, the original air date, February the 9th of 1954. And this one is called The Harpooned Angler Matter. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, John Lund as... Johnny Dollar. Uh, Philip Martin, Johnny. Got your passport ready? Where to now? French Riviera, town called Cassis. Just got a death claim from there on a policyholder by the name of Arnold Bernier. Something wrong with the claim? Policies for 75000 was written 33 years ago. Well, so what? Don't you ever expect your policyholders to die? With fishing spears driven through their backs? I'll be ready in an hour. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you John Lund in the transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Friends, the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum present these weekly adventures of Johnny Dollar because they know that millions of you enjoy Johnny Dollar. That's true of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, too. It's enjoyed by millions, day in and day out. People find that chewing on a smooth, delicious piece of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum somehow makes time pass more pleasantly. Whether you're working, driving, shopping, or just taking things easy, that good, tasty chewing gives you enjoyment and satisfaction. So always keep a package of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. And whenever you want a refreshing, delicious treat, chew a stick. You'll like it. You really will. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Washingtonian Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the harpooned angler matter. Expense account item one, $473.25. Airfare, railroad transportation, and incidentals between Hartford and Cassis, France. Expense account item two... $50, rental of a snappy 1937 Maybach Victoria. After an invigorating journey from the rental agency, marred only by an engine breakdown and a blowout, I arrived at the office of the man who'd sent in the death claim on behalf of Arnold Bernier's widow. 
Welcome, welcome, my darling, Mr. Dollar. Welcome to Cassis. Well, thank you. Are you uh, Count Andescu? But of course, dear man. Huh? Count Lajlo Andescu at your service. You are here concerning poor dear departed Arnold Bernier. Yes, that's what right. What a ghastly thing to happen. So unfortunate, so sad. Oh, here one moment and the next, poof. But why should we dwell upon unhappy things? You will give me the insurance check for $75,000 made payable to Magda Bernier. I will give you the receipt and poof, we will have disposed of everything. No, not quite. Uh, just what is your position in this picture, oh, Count? It's perfectly simple, darling dollar. Count Lajlandescu renders his most capable services to those who require assistance in delicate matters, financial and otherwise, for a slight consideration, of course. You might call me uh, chargé d'affaires for the bereaved and the unfortunate. I see. Yes. Now, uh, what is this business about a fishing spear? Oh, yes. So inconsiderate of dear Arnold to come to his end in so sordid a manner. A fishing spear. Ugh. So indelicate of poor Arnold. Well, at least it's unusual. You mind telling me how it happened? I thought you knew, my darling dollar. Dear Arnold was engaged in what has so unfortunately become the sport of the Riviera. What's that? Oh, an insanity, my dear man. An incredible insanity which leads one to penetrate the very depths of the ocean, clad only in swimming trunks and a cumbersome, unbecoming helmet of some kind. Are you talking about skin diving? Well, whatever term one chooses to call it, it is a most incredible, ungentlemanly sport. Okay, Arnold Bernier was skin diving. Then what? But, my darling dollar, it was all so sordid, but so simple. When he had been underwater for over an hour, somebody found him. He was brought up to the surface, and there he was, dead. With a fishing spear in his back. Precisely. Now, so, poof, we have disposed of the matter of dear Arnold's passing. Not if his beneficiary was responsible for having planted that spear. Oh, my dear dollar, what a ghastly thing to say. Such a dear, sweet, lovable creature as Marc de Bernier couldn't possibly have been so indiscreet as to have done such a thing. No, why not? Well, this, this simply could not be. Would you think what would happen then to my remuneration for handling this affair? Yeah. Poof. I left the good count and drove down to the Bernier villa to pay my respects to the widow. Her establishment was located on a bluff overlooking the Gulf de Leon. The scenery was magnificent. You are looking for me, Monsieur Dollar? If uh, you're Mrs. Arnold Bernier. I am. Sit down, please. Thanks. A beautiful day, is it not, Monsieur? The sun so warm, the soft breeze so gentle and caressing to the skin. You're a sun worshiper, Mrs. Bernier? I worship all the things that are most worthwhile in life. Oh, such as... Uh... Beautiful homes, luxurious furs, the delicate weight of perfectly matched pearls. You have expensive tastes. Why should I not have? No reason, if you can afford them. It only requires money, Monsieur Dollar. Most people can't dismiss the word so easily. Most people are not Magda Bernier. And Arnold was an excellent provider. I was wondering when you were going to come around to him. You think I should have mentioned my dead husband sooner? Sounds reasonable. But why? Well, you knew who I was when I arrived. That means Zandescu must have phoned you, so you know why I'm here. That is quite true. And you still don't think the subject should have come up sooner? Why should it? It is of no importance to me. What isn't? Your husband's death or my investigation Both. of it? Your husband was murdered, Mrs. Bernier. Aren't you interested in determining who did it? 
It would not give Arnold back his life. No, but it could affect yours if you were involved in it in some way. Rather fantastic conception, Monsieur Dollar. If you must pursue this pointless investigation, I suggest you obtain all your future information from the agent de police inspector Lanier. Well, there's one thing I don't think he can tell me. No? What is that? How you really felt about your husband. Inspector Lanyel proved to be a welcome relief from both Count Laszlo Andescu and the lovely, cold-blooded Magda Bernier. But he wasn't a great deal more enlightening. Yes, Mr. Dollar, skin-diving was a favorite pastime of Monsieur Bernier. He would often indulge in it hours at a time. He used some kind of aqua-lung equipment, Inspector? We a helmet and face mask equipped with compressed air. It enabled him to stay down underwater for approximately an hour at a time. Only this time, he did not come up. Mm -hmm. Who discovered the body? Monsieur David North. Who is he? A young American scientist who is conducting underwater explorations along the Cassis coast. He has a small ship, the Diana, from which he operates collecting marine specimens. Uh-huh. He had reached a depth of some hundred feet and was about to return to the surface when he noticed a small grotto in one side of the bluff. Lying just inside the entrance was the body of Monsieur Bernier. With a fishing spear thrown, huh? Precisely. So, sometime between 10.30 and noon... Someone met Bernier underwater and killed him. Any idea who it could have been? At this time of year, the cove is filled with underwater swimmers, indulging in this latest craze of the Riviera. Yeah. And what about the spear itself? An ordinary fishing spear, discharged from a compressed air tube. Its counterpart may be found in hundreds of hands. Any personal suspects on your list? I'm afraid not. What about uh, Magda Bernier? Certainly, there was no financial motivation. There's a $75,000 insurance policy. I assure you, that means nothing. Bernier was an immensely wealthy man. Well, what about business associates? He had been retired for 20 years. An attorney by the name of Armand Gauthier in Marseille handles his affairs. We have checked. They are in perfect order. Any uh, personal enemies? So far as we have been able to ascertain, none. Well, he obviously had one. Well, thanks for your time, Inspector. But, uh, I regret only that I could not have been of more immediate assistance, but if there is anything you wish to... Pardon. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Inspector Laniel. Oui, one moment, please. It is for you, Monsieur Dollar. Oh, thanks. Hello? Uh, you Johnny Dollar, the insurance man? That's right. Who's this? Uh, my name's David North. I'd like to talk to you. What about? The murder of Arnold Bernier. What do you know about it? Well, let's save that for our talk. Okay. Where do we get together? There's a cafe in town, the Golden Pheasant. I'll meet you there. How soon? Oh, about a half hour. Who told you I'd be here? Andescu or Magda Bernier? Magda? Why should she have called you about that? Well, who else did you expect her to call, Dollar? We're going to be married, aren't we? There were some half-dozen sailors and roustabouts seated around the Golden Pheasant, but no sign of anyone who might be an American marine scientist by the name of David North. So I took over one of the tables, ordered a cognac to help pass the time, and waited. More than an hour had passed, and North still hadn't turned up. 
I was about to call it quits when the place was enlivened by a new arrival. Ah, Dollar! <laughs> a magnificent coincidence which just... Oh, Antoine, a vermouth cassis. At once, if you please. Yes, as I was saying, a simply magnificent coincidence. You do not mind, my darling dollar, if I join you? You already have. <laughs> so I have, yes. Which makes it all the more charming, does it not? Now so, you are here, I am here. We may now conclude our affair of business. You're talking about that insurance check? A trifling matter, I will confess, and somewhat boring. Nevertheless, it does concern money, and I dearly love money. It has so many uses, you know. Uh, what about the little matter of finding out who murdered Arnold Bernier? Oh, that! Whew, it is of no consequence now, which is why I have sought you out here. Oh, that's interesting. No, you presented a problem to me. And what does the magnificent Count Lajlandescu do when he is faced with a problem? He solves it. Poof. <laughs> you know who killed him? But of course. Who else could it be but that American David North? Hmm? So, now you will give me the check. What makes you think I... it's North? It is so obvious, my darling dollar. North has supplied the proof himself by his suicide. Suicide? Oh, did I forget to inform you how careless of me? But yes... They are fetching his body up from the bottom of the gulf even now. When I got to the beach, about a dozen people were gathered around watching a rowboat heading toward the shore. There were three men aboard, dressed in swimming trunks, one of whom I recognized as Inspector Lanyel. Take him to Dr. Gerret at once. Use my car. It's past at the edge of the beach. Now, quickly now. There is no time to lose. What happened, Inspector? Oh, apparently, Monsieur North decided not to keep his appointment with you. Instead, he went skin diving and in approximately the same spot off the point where Arnold Bernier was found. Any idea why? None. When he had been down approximately 50 minutes, the members of his crew aboard the Diana became concerned. Two of them went diving for him. Where did they find him? In the same little underwater grotto where Arnold Bernier was found. As you saw, he was unconscious. Fortunately, his aqua lung was still working, and so he had not drowned. But there was a bad scalp wound in his head. And this was lying on the grotto floor beside him. Hmm. Another fishing spear. Hey. Obviously, he was attacked in the same manner as Bernier had been. Any chance that the wound was self-inflicted? None. And in a way, that is most unfortunate. Why is that? If it had been attempted suicide, the case might have been closed. I had just uncovered evidence which could have convinced me that David North had murdered Arnold Bernier. Friends, here's a suggestion that'll help you go through a busy day feeling more relaxed and satisfied. From time to time, especially when you're feeling tense or under pressure, chew a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. You see, chewing is a natural way to get rid of some of that pent-up tension. Chewing on a good, smooth piece of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum not only helps you feel more relaxed, but also gives you taste enjoyment. There's lots of refreshing, delicious flavor in Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, You'll really enjoy it. So do what millions do. 
Always keep Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum handy and chew some every day. You'll feel more relaxed and you'll get more enjoyment out of the things you do. Next time you're at the store, get a few packages of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. And now with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. We went back to Inspector Lanyell's office, and while we waited for David North to regain consciousness, Lanyell told me about the new evidence. It was revealed in a court order, Monsieur Dollar. David North's ship was being attached for non-payment of a debt he owed to Arnold Bernier. What debt was that? North had run out of funds in the port of Darien on the Red Sea, where he had been collecting specimens. And Descure ran into him there, saw an opportunity to make a commission for himself, and persuaded Arnold Bernier to lend North the funds. How much was involved? Some $2,000. That's hardly enough for a man like Bernier to get so excited about. True. But if you compound the money with North's coming here, and then becoming friendly with the lovely Magda... Oh, you figured a two-way motive, then. By murdering Bernier, North saves his ship and gets the girl. Is it not logical, Monsieur Dollar? Well, it was before that little accident happened to North. Oui, but there is no need for us to concern ourselves with idle conjecture. When North recovers consciousness, he can himself inform us. Well, it might pay to conjecture about one thing, meanwhile, Inspector. What is that, Monsieur? The whereabouts of Magda Bernier during the past couple of hours. I had thought we had seen the last of each other, Monsieur Dollar. Well, it seems that you forgot a couple of pertinent things, including David North. Why should I have discussed him? Well, how indifferent can you be about the man you're going to marry? <laughs> did he tell you that? He did. David is like a little child. He tries to convince himself that the world of his dreams is the true world. And uh, it's not? No. David worships me. There is nothing he would not do for me in return for a kind word or a hint of a smile. Like uh, committing murder? Yes, I think he would even do that. And did he? I do not have the faintest idea. Then there's nothing to his statement about marriage between you? Nothing, Monsieur Ballet. Mm. you mind telling me uh, where you've been the past couple of hours? Right here, in front of this fire, Monsieur. Why? You, uh... Haven't been swimming? I seldom swim, Monsieur Dollar. It was getting dark when I left the villa. I thought I'd better find out if North was well enough to tell his side of the story before I closed up shop for the night. Inspector Lanyel was just leaving Dr. Jure's office as I drove up. Is that you, Monsieur Dollar? Yeah, that's right, Inspector. Well, did you learn anything from David North? No, Monsieur, and we never will. He just died. Well, after that little announcement, there didn't seem to be much reason for me to hang around the town of Cassis that night. So I started out along the coast road toward Marseille. A 
little way out of town, a gleaming black chauffeur-driven limousine swept by me. There was just time for me to catch a glimpse of a blonde head lolling back luxuriously against the rear seat cushions. Then it turned a bend in the road ahead and was gone. There were several intriguing possibilities as to why Magda Bernier would leave her fire and head for Marseille. I proceeded toward my destination in Marseille, the residence of one Armand Gauthier, attorney, the man who'd been in charge of Arnold Bernier's affairs. My name is Dollar, Mr. Gauthier. Insurance investigator. I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. I am not in the habit of conducting business at my home, Monsieur Dollar. If you care to call my office in the morning, I am certain an appointment can be arranged. Magda Bernier might be happier if we talk right now. I do not comprehend your reference, Monsieur. Well, would it help any if I told you that she was number one on the list of suspects in the murders of her husband and David North? Come in, please. Thanks. Uh, this way, please. You realize, of course, Monsieur Dollar, that to suspect Madame Bernier of such crimes is sheer nonsense. Uh, won't you sit down? Thank you. Well, if you want a list of possible motives, we could start with... Um... Money? Ridiculous. Magda stood to gain nothing by the death of Arnold Bernier. No, why not? At the time of their marriage, he gave her a tremendous independent fortune. One that even a Magda Bernier could not dissipate in a lifetime. And the balance of his estate is willed to charitable institutions. Okay, then uh, what about boredom? Hatred? You have met Madame Bernier? Spoken with her? Yes. Hmm. Then you must realize that a thoroughly hedonistic woman like Magda can never become bored so long as she can surfeit herself with the luxuries of life. Well, there's still one other possibility. Bernier was some 30 years older than Magda. And David North was a pretty rugged specimen of a young male animal. He was also stupid. A callow youth, one who might be temporarily amusing to a woman like Magda, yes. But one does not risk giving up a way of life, monsieur, for the sake of uh, temporary amusement. Mm, how true. Well, thanks for your time. I have convinced you, then? Well, let's say that I found out what I came here to learn. Huh? And what is that? The possibility of another man in Magda's life. But we have disposed of that, monsieur. You should have disposed of Magda's perfume, too. What? I couldn't miss it when I walked in here. And after your kind cooperation and character analysis, I couldn't be rude enough to accuse you of wearing it. I do not understand, Monsieur Dollar. Agreed that the desire for money makes an excellent motive for murder... But what is the connection between that and Arnold Bernier's hobby of skin diving? Inspector, send a diver down to take a closer look at that undersea grotto where he and North were killed, and 
I think you'll come up with the answer. Very well, Dora. I will have it done first thing in the morning. Now, better do it right now. This should do it nicely, Dora. Uh-huh. You sure you want to make the dive yourself? But why not? I fancy myself rather efficient at the art... And if what you suspect is true, it might be best to keep it between the two of us. Okay. Is uh, this the lantern you want to use? Oui. No, if you will help me with the helmet and the aqua lung. Oh, sure. Here. Ah. There. How's that? Oh, they'll see. That'll be fine. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Laniel adjusted the rubber flippers on his feet, shrugged the helmet and aqualung more comfortably on his back and shoulders, and then slipped over the side. Forty-five minutes is a long time to wait in an open boat at night, when you know a man is swimming far below the surface in a spot where two other men had met death before him. And I knew it must seem even longer to Inspector Laniel. But finally, he came to the surface. He held on to the gunwale of the boat with one hand and gave me a small wooden box with the other. A watertight wooden box marked marine specimens. I gave him a hand and pulled him into the boat. Then as he started to take off the helmet, I turned to the box and opened it. The marine specimens consisted of some insignificant-looking brownish weeds. I didn't have a chance to examine them more closely. It was just about then that I turned my head and noticed that the spear gun was pointing at my back. How charming that we should meet again under such delightful circumstances. Is it not, my darling dollar? Where's Laniel? For the third time, it was necessary for me to leave someone below at the entrance to the grotto. You have no idea how boring this procedure is becoming. A fishing spear again? Oh, my darling dollar, how unimaginative do you believe me to be? Particularly after I only succeeded in wounding dear Mr. North. No, no, no. The dear inspector is lying unconscious from a blow to the head. Soon his oxygen will run out, and then poof. <laughs> this spear I save for you, here, where I cannot possibly miss. Oh, please, don't bother. You know, you are magnificent, my darling dollar, incomparable. I had not thought it possible for you to connect me with this affair in so short a time. Yeah, your little drug smuggling act has run into a few obstacles. What a pity. Such a magnificent plan. Obtaining the ashish for practically nothing in the Red Sea area with Arnold Bernier's money. Transporting it here aboard David's ship. Concealing it in the grotto to take it ashore when the time was ripe. A magnificent plan. Only Bernier put a crimp in it. Yes, and that was indeed a pity. Poor dear Arnold. But he came upon my underwater warehouse. No remorse about David North. Ah, how sentimental can one be, my darling dollar? I suppose North was diving for one of those boxes to bring me the proof when you take it. Things happened pretty fast just about then. The box hit Andescu in the chest. The spear missed me by slightly less than a hair. My fist hit Andescu's jaw, and he hit the water. Oh, a jolly good time was had by all, including Inspector Laniel. 
I managed to raise some help from the shore and get a diver down to him before his oxygen ran out. And Desco wound up in the local jail where charges are being preferred against him now. Two counts of homicide, two of attempted homicide, and a slight case of drug smuggling. I didn't see Magda Bernier again. I didn't think I could take any more of that. When you honor the death claim, send the check care of Armand Gauthier, Marseille. Expense account item three, $27.65, hotel bill and miscellaneous. Item four, $493, plane fare and incidentals back to Hartford. Expense account total, $1,043.90. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Friends, when you've got a package of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum with you, you're all set for refreshment and enjoyment at any time. At work, at home, in your car, wherever you are, just slip a stick of delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum in your mouth and keep on with what you're doing. See how refreshing that lively spearmint flavor tastes, how it cools your mouth and helps keep your throat moist. Enjoy the good chewing, too. It'll make the time pass more pleasantly for you. And remember... Chewing Wrigley's Spearmint Gum helps keep breath sweet and teeth clean. So it's a nice thing to have with you at all times. Get some next time you're at the store. That's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brought to you by Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, stars John Lund in the title role and was written by Sidney Marshall with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were Howard Culver, Larry Dobkin, Virginia Gregg, Edgar Barrier, and Lou Krugman. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. This is Charles Lyon inviting you to join us again next week at the same time when from Hollywood, John Lund again transcribes his expense account as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is the CBS Radio Network. Welcome back. Well, I had uh, taken a look at a Wikipedia page and had noted that a Sidney Marshall script was coming up, but I hadn't noted which one. But then I heard that phrase, for a slight consideration, of course, and I knew that this was a Sidney Marshall script. Now, for those who've listened to all of the series we do on the podcast, I know there are quite a few who just listen to Johnny Dollar. But for those who listen to all the episodes, it'll sound familiar because that is uh, the type of thing that Pagon Zellschmidt, the shady sidekick of The Man Called X, a series we just finished uh, like seven, eight weeks ago. Oh, it had to be Sidney Marshall. And I guess uh, if uh, listeners want to, they can kind of... Uh, pretend that this week's uh, 
villain was related to Pagon. Just a different side of the family. With the Zelschmidt family, I think that there are two sides, the amoral and the evil, so... Uh, this guy came from the evil side of the family. Overall, though, I thought this was a good story. You know, great hook. And I, I like the logic of it in terms of Johnny's presence. Oftentimes, you do kind of find yourself, or at least I find myself, thinking, is this really a job that you call in a high-priced, top-tier, independent insurance investigator to handle? Not all the time, but occasionally. But this one, you know, makes perfect sense. You know, the size of the policy is big enough for the company to be concerned about and think, you know, it's worth sending someone uh, out to France to take a look at this. And, of course, the uh, circumstances are definitely mysterious enough. And I like it when Johnny gets sent off to far-flung locations. Uh, there is a period when you get into the 1960s in particular, uh, probably late 1950s, where Johnny's cases start to almost exclusively be in and about Hartford, which give, or, you know, in New York City. But given the breadth of the opportunity you have with Johnny, that kind of seems like a little bit of a waste. But here, a great location, good characters, you know, a lot of potential suspects, and, you know, just a very engaging episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did have a little bit of a sense as to who was guilty when... Our villain was Johnny on the spot, so to speak, with the suicide theory. But still, there were a lot of ways that this could have gone. I think the one thing I did find myself wondering throughout this is why this method. But when it comes to the point where the insurance money was not really the thing, and so there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, let's make this look like an accident. In this case, he just needed to make sure that someone who had discovered the drug smuggling operation was taken care of. Well, listener comments and feedback now. And we have a comment from uh, uh, Leonard uh, who writes, Regarding Adam's observation the other day regarding recurring character names from some writers, let me comment based on my own experience. I have friends who are published authors who have used my names and names of other people they know as characters in the story. In addition, while earning my communication arts degree, TV, radio, and movies, we learned that as a legal protection, actual person with the character name is found and signs a release agreeing to the use of their name to forestall a possible lawsuit. So there are two possible uh, reasons for the same names coming up. Um, that's an... Uh, that that's an interesting theory and uh, there can be something to that there are characters in uh Johnny Dollar for example that are named after real people particularly when you get into the Bailey era i kind of think that's a little less likely with villain names i'd be very dubious you know cuz what what brought that up was the name of Benny Stark being used a couple of times by Les Crutchfield i'd be surprised if he knew someone in real life, whose name was Benny Stark. Oh, he might have known someone named Stark and someone named Benny. I, I, 
it tends to be when people uh, name a character, it tends to be one that is not villainous, and so it could not be you know problematic in that regards. The one exception that I can think to the, of that at the moment is. Brian Michael Bendis, the very influential comic book writer who wrote for so many years for Marvel, he nearly died, but he survived and he ended up signing on with uh, DC and he created a Superman villain and named it after one of the doctors who took care of him. And I guess the doctor thought this was a cool thing to have a Superman villain named after him. I don't know if I would agree, so that's the type of thing you definitely want to get some paperwork for. Uh, but other radio series that used real people as characters, uh, Dragnet certainly, characters like uh, Thad Brown, Lee Jones, Ray Pinker, were real police officers. So this does happen, but I, I think it's relatively rare. It's more like, you know, you grab a last name from one place, grab a first name from another place, and generally you'll be fine. Because sometimes the names are changed to protect the innocent, and sometimes the names are changed to protect the writer. Thanks so much for the comment. Appreciate it, Leonard. And now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And of course, being the first Friday in August, we are honoring... Patreon supporters who have been supporting us for five years this month, since August of 2017. And that actually means our Patreon supporter of the day is David, currently supporting us at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. Again, David, thanks so much for supporting the program these past five years. And I really appreciate your continued support. Well, that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. Next Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a previously uncirculated episode of Sherlock Holmes. Next Friday, we'll be bringing you another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But join us back here tomorrow for Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... Body's in here, Jason. Uh-huh. He's a pretty old man. Pressing 80. Crippled up bad the last 20 years or so. Hadn't been for that phone call, I'd have figured his heart just gave out. Guess the doc would have, too. Good thing you asked for a coroner's inquest. Let me see the autopsy report. Yeah, yeah. He uh, died about eight last night. Ruptured spleen, concussion. Doc says he was beaten to death. Funny. No marks on the body. No, all the damage was inside. Whatever he was hit with, it didn't leave any marks on him. Length of rubber hose, maybe. Something like that wouldn't leave a mark. You find anything like that? Didn't have much chance to look, Jace. Maybe my deputies will run across something. Oh, I left three of them out at Swain's last night. Why three of them? I may need more than that when it gets around that the old man is dead. Place will be loaded with vultures. What do you mean? Well, it's kind of a funny thing, Jace. The old man was kind of peculiar, living off by himself in that big old house, not even a cleaning woman to help him. Started some crazy talk a long time back. Rumor got around that he had a lot of money stashed away at his place. You think there was anything to it? Nope, because I know what he was living on. Got a check for $70 every month from some insurance company. Annuity? Yeah. Too bad everybody didn't know that. Probably killed by somebody trying to force him to tell where he hid the money people think he had. That could be a motive. On the other hand, might be other reasons for killing him that 
We didn't know about it. I doubt it, Sheriff. When a man comes into a place to kill with nothing else on his mind, he does it fast. This beating took time. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.